The following production is part of the We Be Geeks podcast collective. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Crisis for the geek kind. Top geek officials admit they underestimated the hipster's defense capability. Geeks from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. They're doing their part. Are you? Join Weeby Geeks and the Geek Revolution and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Want to know more? Do not attempt to adjust your device. This is a Stream Freedom Audio Bulletin. It cannot be traced. It cannot be stopped. And it is the only free voice left in the Geek Revolution. And welcome to another episode of Weeby Geeks. It is the Dashing Duo, Derek and myself, Mike. And this week we are being joined by, uh, oh, who was it? I don't remember who used the term. I was Dominic Pace, if I remember right. And I, I love this term, and this gentleman fits that term as well. Blue collar actor, Eric James <laughs> Morris. And, and we and we mean blue collar because you're an actor that's constantly working, no matter what the role is. Yeah, man. Well, uh, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Oh, it's our pleasure. So, um, trying to remember, I got to pull up my notes. My phone just shut off. So I apologize. Um, you are working on a movie called The Bounty Hunter, or you were until yeah. things stopped. <laughs> Yeah, the Bounty Hunter. We've been shooting that for a while. It's a period correct uh, civil Civil War era film, so it's difficult to get the shot locations and things like that. It's not in the studio, so it's shot on location and um, trying to find period correct places and uh, you know, of course, weapons and things like that. It's just uh, it's been a challenge. And with this current virus thing going around, it uh, really put a damper on us getting the last scene uh, completed. And uh, so we had some issues also with one of the talent. Uh, she had, I don't know what happened, but we, they had to recast her. So some of her scenes have to be reshot. So it's still ongoing. So I think maybe by the midsummer, end of summer, we should be seeing a wrap on this, this one. And uh, the director, his name's Tim Everett. He's a, uh, a veteran uh, filmmaker is uh, he calls himself Bravo Whiskey Charlie Films. Uh, really uh, good, good guy, and uh, he uh, he's got distribution set up for the film already. So it's pretty cool. I play uh, cool. the love interest. Every the bounty hunters hired to, to, to hunt me down because uh, I'm in love with this man's daughter and the man. He does, he's the powerful man of the town, and he doesn't. He doesn't like me, so he tries to frame me and has the bounty hunter come hunt me. And then we kind of team up later on, and we actually decide to take down the, the bad guys in the town. You know, it's kind of a, it's good, it's a good movie. Okay. Sounds interesting. Yeah, I can't wait for, oh, yeah. to see it. I mean, bounty hunter, you think something new or you think something sci-fi, but you know, to have the uh, a period piece back in the Civil War, that different style bounty hunter, and that'd be pretty cool to, to check out. 
Yeah, and what I like about that character, I play, uh, his name's Gentleman Johnny, and it's kind of a different character for what I, from what I normally mm-hmm. play. I, I get stuck playing like, these uh, bad guys a lot, or just kind of creepy, you know, you know murder rapist type of guys, whatever you want to call it. And uh, so this gentleman, Johnny, is more of the love interest, and he has kind of a little bit of a comedic. He's a townie. He's very clean. You know, he doesn't uh, – he's not the true – he's not the grit of the Western era. You know, he's more of the uh, – he's a city life guy. <laughs> you know? So uh, it's, it's refreshing to play something different, you know. Okay. Now, the Rejects Club, I've heard something about it. Uh, is this going to be a uh, – I know there's only been three or four episodes out so far. Uh, is this a thing that you're going to be a, a regular recurring character on uh, as coach, or uh, was it a one and done? I think that discussion probably remains to be open. I, I'm not really sure. Uh, it was a it was a pretty cool project because it was written by the gen- the director's name is Eric as well. I forget his last name. And his daughter is the one who actually came up with the the project. And she's maybe 13 or 14 years old. She's in, in the scene with me. She's one of the children that I'm coaching. But um, so it's kind of impressive. And they had uh, had some pretty good talks with some pretty heavy hitter distribution uh, for that project. So I don't know where it's going to go, but um, I could see that character easily coming back in. But there, we hadn't really talked about it. It was more of a uh, almost like a pilot that we shot. It, it wasn't a pilot. It was a couple of episodes, but more of a teaser does that make sense so we'll see what happens and that there again that's another character that i really enjoyed playing because that was a you know a motivational uh, coach to a, a, a team of soccer girls so it was a hmm. nice break from all the violence <laughs> <laughs> i definitely can see that being a nice change of pace yeah oh yeah i love it i wish i had more of it you know it just maybe one day <laughs> So, um, what made you decide to get into acting? Well, I've always been a musician, and uh, since I was a young kid, I started playing guitar, and I was uh, into heavy metal and punk rock type stuff. And nice. um, yeah, uh, I know I was a big skateboarder guy, and my my dreams was to move to Venice Beach and uh, you know ride the uh, the bowl the the pool, and also take up surfing or something. That was that what I had planned on doing when I was young. You know, <laughs> crazy. Uh, I've actually been to Venice Beach within the past six months. And I don't know if I'd really want to live there, but it's an interesting place. Okay. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, I, uh, I, you know, I've always been in music. And so I've always had a love for the arts. And later in life, I had to give it up because I got married young and had a couple of sons. And so I had to you know take care of my family. And that really wasn't working, you know. So uh, I... Uh, much later in life, I still played. I started playing out of restaurants and bars, doing acoustic jams, things like that. Uh, wallpaper music, we call it. And uh, my son, when he was younger, one of my sons, he uh, had an interest in becoming, doing some acting and modeling. He, and he was a good-looking kid. He's still a good-looking man now, but uh, he was a good-looking kid. And uh, so we got him set up with a agent and um, having some modeling shots done. Started doing background work. And th- this is the time when uh, Atlanta, the film industry, was really starting to take off. Uh, the Vampire Diaries were being filmed here. And we're early in the season. So same with The Walking Dead. Things like that were just starting to take off in Atlanta. 
So hmm. him being a minor, you know, we had one of us, me and my wife had to be on set with him. And we um, had to do some background work with the director one time because a lot of guys didn't show up and I, we were there. So uh, it was an interesting experience. And um, I just kind of had an interest in it. I thought it was neat. It's a visual art. And one of the directors had made a comment to me that, uh, that made me think, well, maybe I should give this a go. So uh, my son actually got out of it. He lost interest in it and uh, had a few bad auditions and just seen it wasn't really what it what you think it is when you think you want to become an actor. Um, so he just stayed focused on football in high school. And, but um, later on, I ran into a gentleman indirectly and I was looking at a property for him uh, for my business, a house he was thinking about buying. It has a bunch of uh, foundation and basement issues. And we got to talking and he mentioned that he was uh, was an actor. He did acting. He came from, he's from Los Angeles and he used to train at a, a school that was well known. Uh, it still is called the Beverly Hills Playhouse. A lot of your heavy, big name actors have all trained there at some point in their lives. At the time, I didn't know that. I just thought it was interesting to hear it. And he could, he, he said, I can tell that he told me, he said, well, I can see that you're interested. So, uh, would you like to come to my class? Uh, I said, sure. So he had a local little class going uh, near where we lived and, and I went up and, you know, got on stage and I learned how to do a monologue and, you know, and just uh, seen stuff. And it was really difficult for me to be an actor or to try to act and learning how to act. The process of it is kind of unnatural for me. Maybe that's not the case for everyone, but for me, I've always grew up with, you know, you know, you don't really want to show emotions and things like that. It's just kind of a, it's just, how I was raised with my stepdad. So, you know, it's just the way it was. So uh, I had some barriers to overcome. So I still deal with those now, but I've come a long ways, obviously, since then. But I fell in love with it, man. I never looked back. I just uh, trained religiously every week and, and even beyond. I did a lot of workshops. I did it for a couple of years, and and then uh, we moved from that area, and and I still do workshops occasionally. I, I'm not currently taking ongoing uh, scene study classes or anything like that, which I should be, um, but you know. I'm not. I still take workshops when they're when somebody comes to town that's giving one that's well known that is highly rated. Uh, Crystal Carson is one of them I've taken recently. Uh, she had a three day workshop. Just anything you can do as an actor to train. But uh, but yeah, I just that's when I really made the decision to get into acting once I started it, and I've just fell in love with it because it's so difficult and um, it's not what people think it is. It's not. It's, it's actually hard when it seems natural. Uh, it's probably the most unnatural. Natural. <laughs> that makes any sense. Uh, do you- it does actually. Yeah. <laughs> Now, living in the Atlanta area, you find it um, a little harder to, to get auditions than, say, if you were out west, or are you still having to go through out west to get the auditions for Atlanta? Atlanta is a different market. I'm not real real familiar with the way Los Angeles works. Uh, I've never lived there, but I have friends that do, and I've had a, a good friend of mine that moved out there since I started acting. Me and him both were in the same acting class, and we did scenes together, and we did some really cool stuff, man. But uh, he decided to move out there. Uh, you know, that's a whole different story, but he had a lot of challenges. He's, he's still there. He's got a really good job working uh, for uh, one of the uh, big networks. So, uh, but he's a, he's an amazing actor. I mean, he's done some cool stuff, man. And uh, 
His name's Brett Driver. Uh, I highly recommend looking him up. He's just really, he's just a really good guy. But uh, it's tough out there. I talk with him often about it. And other actors that I don't know will hit me up sometimes through social media and they'll ask questions about Atlanta. I, they're thinking about moving here and they want to know what it's like. And I try to tell them, you know, and I, I love Atlanta. I'm from Atlanta. That's a great city. And I, I, I've been a lot of places and this is my favorite, man. It's just a good place. Uh, the fact that they're making a lot of films here is just a bonus, you know. Um, and a lot of people have moved here from out of, out of state. A lot of people from Los Angeles, a lot of actors have moved here because it's easier. So they say, and of course, my friend who lives there now, it seems to be easier to get auditions and work more often here in Atlanta than it would be in Los Angeles or New York. Uh, I'm not sure why that is. There's, uh, I guess in Los Angeles, everybody's an actor. So they, there's a lot of people there. Uh, they do a lot. Be, of, yeah, that would be my guess. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of people that move out there with a big dream and, you know, and there's nothing wrong with having dreams, but, uh, you know, it's all about putting in the effort, you know, and this is a tough game. When you put in the effort, you don't see a lot of reward. Uh, you got to really love what you're doing. Um, so I'd say that, um, Atlanta is a, um, as far as auditions go, I mean, it's, it's, it's good. I have a good agent. Uh, I'm with a uh, place here called BYSB. Uh, Chris uh, and Tay is two guys that run it. Great dudes, really good down-to-earth people. I think they're awesome. I've been with them for quite a while. Um, but a lot, they send me auditions. But here lately, it's been very quiet because of the the, the virus that's going around. It's just the breaks are on now for all right. productions. Right. But I uh, also pursue stuff on my own. Um, and, but I'm not doing that lately either. Cause I've, I've done the, the virus number one and number two, I've been very busy in my day to day business trying to grow that. And I got some other stuff. I just haven't really been chasing uh, a lot of uh, acting opportunities. And there's not a lot out there right now because of the virus, but I was, uh, when I am active, I'm very active. I'm always, always promoting myself and submitting myself to, to projects that I think are good ones, especially if it's a character maybe I haven't done before, things like that. Um, so, and it, it can get easy sometimes here to get too much going at one time. You know, you have to be careful with that if you're booking a lot and you're always submitting yourself and you wind up over committing and then you under, under deliver, you know, I've had that happen and uh, that's not a good thing to do. You don't want to be, it's like a regular business of uh, you don't want to let down your your clients and the clients would be the directors or the, right. the production team or depending on you to be there, you know? So, um, yeah, man, but Atlanta's great. I, I love it. I think, uh, it's a great place to get work. You know, a lot of your leading talent for your big projects are still cast out of Los Angeles or New York. I mean, it's just the way it is. That's slowly changing here in Atlanta. Uh, there's some heavy hitting actors here in Atlanta that are from here that are amazing. And I, I'm very lucky and blessed to know these guys. And they do some awesome work. And so that's changing. These guys are booking a lot and a lot of big things. So, uh, but a lot of your co-star, your supporting characters, things like that, they're all cast from here. Uh, the, a lot of the film production teams, that are from Los Angeles, from Hollywood that are here, they use the local casting directors and a lot of the casting directors, they want to use local talent. So, um, yeah, man, there's a lot going on here. They're filming so much stuff in Atlanta. It's just crazy. Now you were talking about uh, being a business owner as well. Uh, do you find it difficult to balance running a business and doing the, the acting? Yes, um, it's tough. I mean, but if I had a real job, there'd be no way I could do acting, you know? So it's kind of a Catch 22, as a business owner, um, anybody that's you guys or anybody that's listening that's 
self-employed, it's um, you are your worst enemy. You know, uh, the decisions that you make are going to impact mainly you, you know, and that, that, that applies to anything in life. But from a financial standpoint, to business, to customers and uh, things like that, there's no uh, anything, any choice I make. Like right now, if I decided just to get in the truck and just, just drive down to the beach and whatever, Miami, let's go have a good time for a week. I, I could. I'm not going to lose my job, but I'm going to pay for it. It's going to it's going to catch up with me after the fact. Right. So in my right. business, what I do, um, I try to balance it. You know, it's tough. We are a family business. So I have my wife, she she runs the books, she schedules everything, stuff like that. Uh, one of my sons, the same young son who is now not so young, the one that had an interest in acting, he actually works in our company as well. He runs uh, a crew of guys and we do waterproofing and foundation repairs. That's our company. So I, uh, I mainly sell jobs and figure out how to get our company to the next level and everything we do. And that's a, uh, can be a lot, uh, especially when I'm always looking at projects and pricing them and writing estimates and dealing with customers and things like that. We're also trying to do commercial work, which is a whole different technique and a, a way to get those jobs. It's not like what we do for residential. So uh, yeah, it's, it can be a challenge, um, but I am blessed in the aspect that I can take, I can take the time that I need uh, to, to chase this and put a lot of energy into it. And so when you go on set, every actor knows, I mean, there's a, there's a call time, you know, when you're going to start for the day or whatever the it is, but there's never a, a wrap time, you know, there's no way to know how long you're going to be there. Somebody could say, yeah, it's probably going to be a few hours, but I, man, I've, I've been where I've had a call time at say two o'clock one afternoon and I drove two hours to get there. Never filmed a thing. They about burned the warehouse down with their pyrotechnic techniques. And, <laughs> and at seven o'clock in the morning, the next day, I'm still hanging out, just chilling, waiting. And we we decided to wrap at that point. So if you had a real job, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, there's no way, you know. So a lot of gentlemen uh, that are my age, you know, midlife like this, it's hard to chase this because of that reason right there. Most guys have families, uh, you know, in midlife and have a career, uh, a real job, you know, right. a job you actually go to nine to five, with, you know, where you won't call that a real job. I call it you know, a waste of time. But I mean, most people don't. They <laughs> they have a real job, you know, and it's just, they feel secure in a job. I personally don't think anybody's secure in their job. You're only secure if you create your job, you know. Um, so without that, there's no way you could really do this. Uh, most of your guys that are young to take off to Los Angeles with a dream, you know, it's different. They're, they're not, nobody's dependent on them. You know, there's no, there's no house. No, there's no kid, you know, and you hear the story about like Brad Pitt and, um, uh, some other guys that they, they all lived in together in an apartment and out in, uh, Hollywood back in the day. And, you know, they waited tables and stuff like that just to get by. I mean, that's how a lot of guys do it. But, um, when you get at the point that I'm at in my life and, you know, being the age I am, it's just, it's, that's not going to work. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, it is yeah, a tough and having it's, a family. And- yeah, man, it, it makes it tough, you know, but there again, I really enjoy it and I want it and I, I pursue it. And, um, you know, so it's, I, I, I give, I put effort into it and I chase it and I enjoy it. I don't know what's the, I don't know what the end game is, you know, uh, you know, being a, uh, being a working actor is really the end game for every actor. And that's just being a regular on a series or, a, you know, a couple of big roles in some feature films or something. And I don't know. I mean, I, I guess well, my, my dream I would be to. I don't really think. Go ahead. 
No, no, no. Go ahead. I think there's, there's a delay in our, our uh, I think, in our connection. But go, go ahead, man. I was going to say, I don't think, I don't think you necessar- necessarily have to have an end game, um, especially as far as your acting career goes. I think as long as you're you're enjoying it and you're and you're you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I well, think Bill, that's good. That's a powerful statement, man. Um, I appreciate it because you're, you're right. I think a lot of guys can get, or, you know, actors, not just guys, but other actors get caught up in um, that they're not seeing success, you know? Mm, right. So you have to remember what the reasons are why you do this. It's, is it, mm. do you do it because you enjoy it or do you do it because you want to be famous and you want to make a lot of money? You know, there's right. two different, that's two different things completely. Uh, if, you know, if you get paid to do what you love, that's great. And I think that's what most people should, you know, strive for. But, but uh, you know, to be a working and well-paid actor, it's, it's, uh, it's, that's a very honorable position to, mm-hmm. uh, to obtain. I mean, most guys never obtain that. It's just not something that happens overnight. I mean, it might happen for some guys, but for the most part, no, it doesn't happen that way. It's just a continuous journey that you uh, strive to get better at and just, Stay the course. Keep 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 auditioning. You know, right, right. Well, it, it almost says it's almost the same thing uh, on the other side of the camera too. I'm an audio engineer. Uh, thankfully, I got lucky to to have a good solid career doing audio and doing entertainment as a technician uh, with where I work. Um, but it's still the that challenge of um, there are days if if you can't make it work for you, then it's it's just not worth being in the industry type thing. Yeah. So. So it is taxing at times to go, this is what I want to do, and this is what I want to keep doing. Uh, thankfully, I've been in the industry uh, thirty, going into my 34th year, and I've been uh, with Disney uh, 22 years of that 34. That's great, so, man. Um, so you definitely got to fight for what you want, sure. Yeah, it's, uh, and, and there's no better industry that I can think of that uh, can really take the wind out from beneath your wings so as in, in acting or in the entertainment ministry in general, uh, it can be very, uh, it's not the same. You know, it, uh, like with my current business, uh, Morris Enviro, we do waterproofing and foundation repairs. I feel like I have a good grasp on that, on that company. Like I can make changes to tweak things to make, to see a projection of where we want to go. Uh, acting is kind of like that, but it's different. It's just a different um you know, it's an art, uh, you know, so some people that may think that you're the best actor ever doesn't mean everybody's going to think that, right. uh, mm. you know, then, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's a tough thing. So actors will sometimes think they're not start to think they're not good enough, or, uh, you know, maybe I don't look mm. good enough, or maybe I need to lose some weight. Or maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm too old. I mean, all those things will come into an actor's mind and, uh, that just eats you alive, man. You, uh, you can't get in that cycle. And I've made it a point because I found myself doing that early on and one time I almost had a pretty good part a really good opportunity with Lionsgate and um, and I didn't get it last minute but they had I met with the director uh, producer and like, yeah man it's so uh, and, I, and I for the whole week because I knew it was coming and I, I couldn't sleep I was all keyed up I was like yeah it's going to be awesome and then I did it and it didn't happen so it was a mm-hmm. big letdown you know so mm-hmm. uh, you hear about actors getting on killing themselves and stuff like that you know and then that's why man it, 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 it messes with your mind you have to really constantly tell yourself that you know uh, who gives a damn you know I mean just just do a good job and move forward and don't care what anybody else thinks and continue to try to do a good job and 
put out the best work you can, like anything else. But you have to really put aside what people think. But but the problem is you're being judged at the same time every time. <laughs> That's how you get work. Mm. That's what yeah. thinks you did. A, you're the right person. You do the right. You're we're judging how well we think you're doing this character. You know, so it's a, it's a weird balance. But from what I understand, um, a lot of times it's not even about personally like you. A lot of times you just maybe you just weren't quite what they were looking for or you weren't quite didn't quite fit the part. But that doesn't mean that you're you're bad. You're a bad actor or anything like that. That's right. That's exactly right. And that's 99 percent of the time exactly what it is. And but it's easy for actors to get caught up in, you know, uh, you know, maybe it was this, maybe it was that. Uh, maybe, you know, whatever. I mean, it's just your mind starts playing tricks on you and you start thinking whatever. But uh, casting directors, they'll, they'll tell you the same thing. What you just said, you know, this really you might have did an awesome job or maybe you did. Maybe you bombed. I mean, whatever. Maybe maybe you just maybe you're too tall. Maybe you're just not quite what they had envisioned. You know, I mean, you're close, but you're just not quite what they really wanted. You know, so that happens. All right. I mean, every time audition, really, uh, if they watch your tapes and you didn't get the part, that's usually what it is. You're just not exactly what they were looking for. I to say you sucked. Mm. It has nothing to do with it. Really. <laughs> um, I mean, it really don't. I've seen actors that I personally, I think are terrible, but are doing awesome things. <laughs> but it's my opinion, you know, so it's the way it is like music. So, and you know, some people may not like, the Rolling Stones. I don't know who wouldn't, but you know, maybe somebody's out there that don't. I don't know. <laughs> hey, the Rolling Stones right now are the litmus test for this virus because if Keith Richards goes, the world's in trouble. Oh man, that's not good. No. <laughs> Guys are legendary, man. I'm like, I was listening to some of their music the other day. I'm like, dang, these guys never go out of style, man. Ever, uh-huh. you know? It's just awesome. Yeah, but you know, kids these days. <laughs> uh, well, it's not the same either. You know, it's. I feel like I sound like my grandpa or something. Are your kids ain't the same? Or, you know. <laughs> but not, I know there, there is no rock and roll anymore. What's what's rock and roll? Like, I wish I knew. I really do. It needs to come back. I mean, mm. I'm like, I'm like, I don't know of any rock and roll. I mean, it's you see a hip hop or there's just pop. And then you got modern country, which I don't like that either. Mm. Uh, that's really about it. You know, that's what you hear all this mainstream music, you know. So, uh, yeah, any of you rock bands out there, man, uh, you know, bring it on back. I mean, man, it's. Yes, yeah. please. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what what's next for you um, in the acting in the acting realm? I mean, do, do you want to stay acting? Do you want to potentially tackle producing, directing? You know, I, I've got I got some ideas for uh, maybe not directing, but you know, I, uh, kind of producing to help with some projects. But uh, you know, I like to put some things together. I have some visions of what I'd like to see. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep working, keep acting. Uh, I would like to see me to uh, get some uh, good recurring spots coming up soon. Maybe maybe not this year. Oh, I mean, I'd love to see it this year, but with the, the current situation, I don't know. Everything's this year is just we got off on the wrong foot, man. But you know, I'd like to see it happen soon. Uh, uh, maybe a recurring spot or a uh, uh, you know uh, something like that. 
would be cool. And also, I want to play a character where I'm not, you know, a, a violent type, just maybe a love interest or something, a drama, something different. I mean, I, I'm okay with playing these guys that, you know, are creepy or whatever. Uh, I don't mind it. You know, I really don't. But I mean, I would like to stretch my wheelhouse some when that time comes. And hopefully that time comes soon. I actually enjoy uh, over the top comedy when I get to do it. It's so rare. I'm not a comedian by any shape, form, or fashion. But I mean, over the top comedy, just goofy, outrageous stuff. You know, it's kind of fun being stupid. That's mm. <laughs> mm. a lot of fun. What's been one of your favorite projects you've done uh, since you've started? Well, Speaking of being goofy, uh, there was a, a series. Well, it was a it was a pilot, and it was a unique pilot. This was a competition for up and coming directors uh, for Sony PlayStation Network. I don't oh. know if Sony's even still active or not, but they were like a streaming network at one point a few years right. ago. I think right. it's, I think they're slowly yeah. fade away. And I think they com- have. I think they have faded away. Yeah, that's. <clears throat> And at this project I got uh, cast in, uh, it was a pilot called Two Roads, and uh, I play a golf cart salesman. There's some footage out there of me doing this guy, and he's over the top. He, he breaks out every sales tactic known to man to this guy, one of the main characters. And it, you don't know he's selling a golf cart until the very end of the scene. You know, like, he, I mean, it's, I, I made him outrageous, and they liked it. They thought it was funny because he was so crazy over the top, and the way I was doing it, just some goofy stuff with my expressions you know so it was really funny um and uh i had a lot of fun with that i was just enjoyed i was i was in a golf cart sales place down in peachtree city georgia uh and the room was full of maybe 50 or 60 of crew uh you know other talent things like that all watching me be this guy and they were all cracking up laughing and we had to do a few t- you know they had to, they had to, you know so yeah it was that was no better feeling to have that room you know kind of laughing at this character um and you know they wanted won the competition that that pilot did and the the win was a a season uh, with distribution on Sony PlayStation Network. That was the win. And so that we were going to do that. I was like, oh, this is great. So, uh, you know, I'm this golf cart guy in this first episode. This would be pretty cool. And then a little later on, a few months went by, and one of the producers that worked with the girl, the director, she called me up and told me that uh, they loved my character so much that they were going to write me in as a as part of the regular regular cast. I was going to be wow. married to ladies. I'm like, well, man, that's freaking awesome. And I was this is a great. <laughs> so I'm expecting someone to want to shoot this, uh, you know, this series for Sony. But that call never came. It just stopped. And I guess maybe I think Sony, like you said, I think they kind of backed out of the space. This is when they were kind of backing away from it. I don't yeah. really know what happened. I've spoke with the director, the girl who wrote the, the pilot, and and even she doesn't know what happened. It just it never uh-huh. came to a head. They just never, you know, it sucked, man. You know, uh, that doesn't happen often. That's exactly the kind of stuff that a uh, day player wants to hear, that they liked you so much they're going to write you in as the a main character, you know, to be a part of this series. So, Oh, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. And it, and it, well, here's the thing. It was a kind of a dark – I didn't know it was a dark uh, series. It, it, it was – I didn't know. I, all I knew was my character. So, and I, and I played him how I thought he should have been played. So it was kind of weird. You watch the series; it's pretty dark, and then all of a sudden it cuts to this golf cart sales guy. That's just crazy, and it's, it's so it's a funny scene, you know. And then it goes back to the dark. So it's like I was the the comic breakup 
But it would have been nice if they would have done this because I would have urged to have my character to be more involved and be to lighten it up a little bit because it was a little too dark in my personal opinion. It's very, very, very dark. So it would have been nice to have this guy that was to bring a little lightheartedness back into it just every now and then to kind of, you know, keep it grounded, so to speak. So, But uh, that was one of my favorite. And I say one of the most memorable times I ever had. I can't remember the name of the project. Um, I can't I don't know why I can ever remember this, but it was fairly recent. We sh- well, we shot it last last summer, and it came out, and um, it's a feature film. And I just play a supporting character. I'm the next door neighbor to the main uh, girl. I'm just kind of an asshole. I'm that guy that you know wants you to cut your grass, and you know that guy, <laughs> butt guy, like you know. So, anyways, uh, the scene called for this main character. Her dad was there one day, and he was on the front porch as I'm being kind of snippy with her about the whatever. And then next thing you know, he, the dad chimes in and we have words or me and his character, we square off with each other. Like we're getting ready to, you know, like a, like a showdown, you know? And, um, so I played it the best I could. And I got to talking to the character, uh, the gentleman who played the character and that guy's name is Dwayne Whitaker. And I didn't know that it didn't ring to me at the time. I didn't even really recognize him at the time. And he invited me to disconnect on social media. So I did while we were there on set. And I got to looking at his page on Facebook and, and I'm seeing where he's, his posters of Pulp Fiction, you know, and I'm like, okay. And then that's thing I'm realizing who this guy is. He's the pawn shop owner for the infamous scene from Quentin Tarantino's Pulp Fiction. Where, oh. you know, yeah, I'm going to go downstairs with the gimp in the box. Yeah, the pawn shop owner. That's him. Huh. Wow. Wow. You know, because that's an awesome movie. I mean, I love Quentin. Uh, Tarantino, all of his work, but mm-hmm. what make about that movie? Uh, this is kind of a kind of a weird thing, but when that movie came out when I was younger, uh, my best my best buddy, his name was Dave. He died unfortunately about ten years ago. He got cancer, and but he was the funniest dude you ever met. He was just make you laugh. I don't care how how bad your day was going. Talked to him for five minutes, you could care less. He was just that hilarious. But when that movie came out, my buddy would always emulate Dwayne Whitaker's character, the pawn shop guy. Because because of the expression he have on his face as he's standing off on the sidelines as they're raping the guy and he's all like he's all like into it. He's like, yeah, you know, like with his his expressions is kind of kind of comedic. It's not at the time, but the way my buddy would put the spin on it was very funny. So I'm like, well, man, you know, if my buddy was alive today and I told him that I was on a, a, a front porch at some house in the North Georgia mountains squaring off and having words with the same guy from that movie, you know, it just be <laughs> just, it's just crazy. It's legendary, man. So that is, since I started acting, that is probably the, the coolest moment that I've had. And he's a really nice dude, by the way. Uh, Dwayne down to earth. Great guy, man. Really, really cool guy. That's awesome. That's always good to hear. Yeah, man. So, you know, that, and I hope to have many more memorable moments coming up. I mean, my dream job would be to, you know, be a supporting actor in a McConaughey film of some sort. There's something that he's starring in. Uh, I want to catch a be a, any kind of part of all. Oh, I don't care if it's even background in a, in a Clint Eastwood film and I'm running out of time, man. He's not getting any younger. Neither am I. <laughs> you know, I was hoping to get into the, the recent one, the one about the 96, the 1996 Olympic bombings. Oh yeah. Oh, I yeah. Get, and I, I, yeah. last year I kept pushing my agent. I was like, give me an audition, man. Anything. I don't care what it is. Just something. 
And they, they tr- you know, they try, but they, you know, going to do so much and it didn't happen. Right. But one of the uh, top actors uh, from Atlanta that I spoke about earlier, he plays one of the uh, very important actor in that film, man. He plays the uh, dean, the dean of the college. Um, mm. Charles, uh, forget his last name. Nice guy, man. Uh, but yeah, so, I'm, you know, it's cool to see as an actor that I know playing such a heavy part in, in an Eastwood film, man. You know, so, but yeah, then we, Clint, I like Clint Eastwood. I, you know, I grew up loving his, you know, good and the bad and the ugly. And uh, I like his son's work, too. I think he's a great actor as well. I don't think he gets enough credit. Um, so, you know, those guys are who I look up to and uh, love McConaughey's work. Um, you know, I like it. Uh, he's done some awesome things, even when he wasn't as famous at the time. You know, I loved his work in Texas Chainsaw Massacre when he had the, the mechanical leg. And then um, there was, a, you know, a bunch of stuff he's done. There's just always liked his work. And he's always had a kind of a twangy Texas sound. And I kind of had this Southern accent sound. So I'm always, he's calm. He's always, I feel like somebody I can relate to, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, who, who are some of your idols or uh, inspirations uh, to become an actor? To become an actor? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, when I was a young kid, I mean, I, I never... You know, I, I um, didn't think acting was something that was achievable. You know, I, I guess uh, you all watch TV as a kid, but and these guys that you, that you'd watch, and it's like, wow, you know, they're acting. These are so and so that you knew them as the character. And um, my thing was music. Uh, and in high school, I, you know, I'll be honest with you guys, I, I didn't take it real serious, man. You know, I, I didn't, you know, forget about drama club. I mean, I, it, it existed, but I was too busy playing guitars and, you know, riding skateboards, man. I, I didn't care about any of that. But how, looking back, I wish I would have had. If I discovered this early in life, I probably could have done a lot more and be further along than I am now. But I guess to answer your question, like I said earlier, uh, Clint Eastwood, man, is uh, somebody I've always looked up to, especially when he became a filmmaker. Uh, I like his work. Uh, Mel Gibson is another one. Uh, I love his work. Uh, I mean, it's the things he's done. It's not even speaking in English, for God's sakes, man, are freaking awesome. I mean, The Passion of the Christ is a powerful movie. Uh, the uh, the one where they're in the jungle, I forget the name of it, the, the, about the, the Indians. Um, I forget the name of it. It is a great um, movie. Apocalypto? Yes. Yeah, I love that movie. I've watched it probably 10 times. That's a great film. It's not in, in your innocence, and it's all, you got to read it, you know. I mean, I would never thought I would enjoy a movie that I got to read, you know, so I love it. <laughs> and other, and him as an actor is growing up to, you know, with the uh, Lethal Weapons and, the, of course, the uh, the, the apocalyptic movies, uh, what do you call it, the one with Tina Turner? <laughs> I forget the name of it. Uh, oh, uh, Mad Max Mad Beyond Max. the Thunderdome. Mad Max. Yes, yes, Mad Max. So uh, those are some of the guys that I look up to uh, because they have been mainstays in uh, Hollywood and they've done really good work throughout their life. And um, I think that's something to be proud of. You know, um, I think every actor should look up to them. Uh, and McConaughey as well. I like his story. I like him because I feel like I can relate. He has the Texas Southern sound. I got the Georgia thing. Um, and, you know, and that's, as an actor, that's something that has kind of held me back a little bit. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that when you're trying to be a day player in a part and you have an audition, it says in really big, bold letters in the audition, no Southern accents. So I'm like, man, it's going to be tough, man. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to be cast as any Italian mobster anytime soon. I can tell you that. But, you know, I, I think it's cool that McConaughey was able to move forward in his career and have a Texas sound and um, and still play a lot of characters. Hey, you, you, could, you could play an Italian if you were from southern Italy. Yeah. I'm from, I'm from <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Bar- 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 y'all. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> 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 oh, that's crazy. That's, it reminds me of one time I went to a Japanese steakhouse in, uh, a long time ago, and I never forget this, man. The, you know, the Japanese steakhouse, got the hibachi guy, he's cooking it up, and uh, it's, it's a black guy, and he says, <laughs> and then so uh, my, uh, I think my grandmother-in-law or somebody was with us, she says, uh, where are you from? She says, you're not Japanese. He says, well, he says, hey, I'm from South Japan. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, Derek, got any other questions? Yeah, I was going to ask, um, going in a different direction than when you were, when you wanted to, when you when you were heading more towards music, who were your, who were your big influences there in music that you were most interested in? As a kid or as a grown adult? Uh, um, let's say the period when you wanted to become a musician. Okay. Um, that was when I was uh, a young, you know, young punk. Uh, so <laughs> my inspirations, uh, Suicidal Tendencies, nice. Anthrax, uh, Slayer, uh, uh, was one of my favorites. S.O.D., Stormtroopers of Death, also M.O.D., Methods of Destruction. Oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I can keep going, man. Uh, that, there's a lot of them, but those were my go-tos. Uh, I uh, also had a thing for old classic rock. You know, of course, the good old Black Sabbath and uh, Ozzy and all his mm. stuff. Yep. Uh, all that yep. uh, heavy yep. stuff, man. It's funny you say you Ozzy. Know, there's a funny punk rock band. Was it uh, Sex Pistols? You know, you're pulling my heartstrings. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you ever uh, have you ever listened to Testament? Te- Testament? Yeah. Yeah, man. That's just uh, the speed man, dude. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. I, him and Megadeth. They they had a lot of similarities um, back yeah, in the yeah. day. My brother mm-hmm. toured with Megadeth for about a year. Wow. Oh, really? Uh, he was the um, the first year they did Gigantor. He was the lighting designer and ran Megadeth's lighting uh, for for the Gigantor tour. I was based on his design. Um, it was his light rig that everyone else had to utilize for their stuff. And uh, and that oh, same wow. year, that was uh, 2005. And that same year, uh, it's his lighting that you see with the uh, Megadeth, Buenos, uh, the Buenos Aires video, where they're down wow. in Buenos Aires. It's, that's his lighting on that, too. That's a, that's a, that is cool, dude, because Megadeth was part of that whole, you know, that, that metal period, but when, what I call real metal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Breaking away from your dark rock and roll to true metal, you know. Yeah, uh, uh, that's that was my favorite, my favorite time period. I know it was crazy. It was, just seemed like it was that long ago, but uh, mm. man, and yeah, that's crazy. I, I uh, listened to some old suicidal tendencies not too long ago. I, I was on a uh, like XM radio and they played some old, uh, the old, uh, that old, the old famous song or institutionalized or whatever. You know? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Talk about uh, flashback. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. Oh, when I was in the car earlier today running errands, I had um, serious. XM on the uh, classic classic rewind channel where it's based on cassettes and Osborne's uh, Bark at the Moon came on. Like, all right, all right, we're not we're not playing light today. Cool. 
I, I dig this. <laughs> yeah, I love the XM radio just for that right there, man. Uh, I have, uh, I'm have. a big fan of Pearl Jam, uh, Eddie Vedder's work. I just think he's a great vocalist, man. I love their songs. So they have a Pearl Jam radio. I have that programmed on my XM radio. Um, there's, uh, of course, with the classic channels that you're talking about. Tom Petty is my channel, which I is have, a. I have the Beatles channel program. Do you? I do. Sweet. Yeah, I, like, hey, I like the hey, Beatles and, and everyone they've influenced. Uh, oh, yeah. But I but I do classic Beatles rewind. I do I do classic rewind. I do classic vinyl. Uh, having yeah. grown up in Kentucky uh, for a good part of my like first eight years of my life, I do have the Bluegrass Channel. Oh man, okay. I do listen to it every now and then. But I also have the Blues Channel. <laughs> um, gotta have that. And I love the Blues. I got a I got Kenny, Kenny Chesney. Uh, he's got a channel. I forget what it calls it something, but I have it programmed. I, I don't. I mean, Ches, Kenny Chesney as a country music artist is it's okay, but his songs, man, he's a song. He's a great songwriter. Yeah. Uh, if you listen to his songs, you're really listening to them, and they're all just good, man. It's like, dang, some of the you know, and he brings on some other artists uh, every now and then that'll be on that channel that I, I don't know, and I've gotten some really cool songs uh, from some other guys I'm not familiar with it uh, that I'll take a picture of the radio screen in my car so I can go find it later and download it. I'll do that all the time. I was listening a little bit last month to uh, the Billy Joel channel. Oh, yeah. I like Billy Joel. Yes. Um, yeah. There it was some, uh, I dig it. It's just with, with my current work situation, uh, thankfully I was able to get another, I was able to get an extension on my trial for, for two bucks. If not, I'd be like, <laughs> yep, yeah, I'm going to be letting this go. <laughs> As much as I love satellite <laughs> over, over it's uh, not cheap. No, even even at sixty bucks for a year, uh, right now I just can't do it because I, I'm not working. That it's makes hard to just. You got to drive a hard bargain. They'll, if you just let them cancel, they'll keep calling you. Then you just negotiate. That's yeah. what I did, and got it to a, yeah. still a lot of me. But you know, it's hard to justify when you have a, a good radio and you can use your uh, phone and you know pull up whatever on on through the through the web on your phone, man. It's, <laughs> yeah, you know, mm-hmm. channels. You never know what they're going to throw at you, man. So, uh, I, uh, yeah, I got to have it. You know, I, I, I've had a subscription for a few years. So, <laughs> uh, I, I do a lot too. I'm looking at jobs. So, I used to be a big Stern listener, and I find myself now that I can get it, I don't listen as much as I used to. Not, not when he was on terrestrial radio. <laughs> yeah, man. I know what you're saying. It's not the same, you yeah. know, but I, I would love when he would, they do some goofy stuff. I listened to Stern in a long time, but he has, you, the people, he would have with the porn stars or whatever he'd have it, it was kind of cool was he brought it, people in on the it, show it, it hasn't you know? changed much it's just gotten a lot raunchier <laughs> I'm sure yeah. it, it has gotten a lot raunchier that, that's, that's, that's the amazing funny. thing <laughs> yeah, you know you gotta keep it interesting I guess yeah yeah um, one way or another <laughs> Derek you got anything else or um not that I can think of where can people find you online? Well, the best way to find me is if you go to imdb.com, which is the International Movie Database, and just search for my full name, which is Eric James Morris. Uh, you'll find me. Just don't search for just Eric Morris because there is a very well-known Eric Morris who is an acting coach out in Los Angeles. He's been around a long time. Uh, that's not me. <laughs> yeah, I found that out. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's the same guy. I mean, I wish I had some, some you know, <laughs> little, bit, little bit moments that he has had. But, uh, but no, if you look for Eric James Morris or Google me, uh, you'll find my stuff. Uh, or you can come to my Facebook, look for uh, just Eric Morris. That's my personal page. I do have a professional page as well as Eric James Morris. Uh, so that's the best places to really connect with me. I, I don't, I, I do Instagram a little bit, not a lot, but I'm on there. It's just Eric James Morris, all one word, no spaces. Okay. Well, on that note, um, I think that's going to wrap it up for us this week. Thank you for coming on and, and chatting with us. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, thanks for having me on your show. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, um, so, um, again, it's Eric James Morris. You can find him on IMDb. Uh, check him out. And until next time. Hi, Geeksters. I'm Kylan. And I'm Ken. And we're Geek Watch One. Are you interested in TV, movies, comics, games, and conventions? Everything from Trek to Wars, Marvel to DC, D&D to WoW, Whovians to the Hulksters? Then your search is over. We are the geeks you're looking for. GeekWatch1 is available at cowanandken.podbean.com. You can also listen, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and Stitcher. Just look for GeekWatch1. And you can interact with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Cowan and Ken. And remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Wow, that that was an old promo. Because they're no longer on Podbean. They are on the Weeby Geeks Podcast Collective. So you can get their shows through the Podcast Collective. How does that sound for you guys? We we need to let Ken know next week. I'll give him, or actually I'll let Kylan know because I'll see Kylan before I see Ken next week. Since we're, we're since, oh, yeah. since we're swap days. Um but uh yeah. So man, that was a fun interview with Eric. I was blessed. Yeah. So, he's a good guy. Uh, again, I, I love the term that we got from Dominic with blue collar actor. Is he Eric mm. sounds like a, a blue collar actor, which is a positive thing. I think that's a great positive label. Not a well, not in the net. There's no negative connotation to it. No, every time you mention it, they always the actors always seem to enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, and it seems logical. I mean, that, that's probably the the best phrase. So that's why I give Dominic credit for that that name. Let's help get his term used as a industry standard and put it where it belongs. <laughs> so, um, speaking of putting it where it belongs, apparently not with AMC or Regal Cinemas anymore. <sighs> And you're probably going, I may have heard the story. I may be not. And uh, I think there's only one thing to be said here. There is a fine line between genius and madness. And that was the quote from Universal. From from Regal, the quote is, It will test your head and your mind and your brain. (laughs) And from AMC. Two, four, nine or five. And from the rest of the world? But not you guys, because you're not normal. You're special. <laughs> then I'll wrap it up in one one lump sum. <laughs> what are we talking about? If you don't know, well, Universal Pictures decided to release Trolls 2 straight to on demand and made it a premium on demand for like 20, 20 bucks for a 48 hour viewing. If that sounds right, which we did not take that option. It's, um, only because my daughter's just not interested in it. She goes, you know, I'll wait until it comes out on cable, which, okay, cool. That's fine. Whatever. 
whatever. Um, but she is kind of interested in the Trolls Lego, but has no interest in the Trolls movies. <laughs> Go figure, right? Um, so Universal comes out and says, we made more in three weeks doing the premium video on demand, the PVOD, than we did in the first three weeks of Trolls in just the theaters. Sure. That makes sense. I get it. So because of this, we think we are going to go ahead and continue this idea of releasing in the theater and releasing premium, you know, the PVOD at the same time. Well, did did they actually make the decision or were they just considering it and AMC flipped out? I thought I thought the stories I read was Universal said that's what they're doing. Yeah, you know, no, you might be you might be right. I just wanted to and, double check. And this is one of those times I'm actually doing this without reading a story. <laughs> um so now here here's my thing. For those of you who have direct TV, I know at work with Walt Disney World, our cables done through direct TV are the programming to the hotels. And I see commercials all the time on direct TV. Oh, watch it in the theater. While it's in the theater, watch it at home. Okay. So it's already being done. So so AMC Regal, why are you complaining now, especially since you have theaters that are closed because of the mm-hmm. virus and that Universal has decided, well, we're going to go ahead and do this anyway. Why are you complaining? That they're doing it because they're going to continue to do it, which apparently they have already done on DirecTV. And see, now I'm going to go double check. I want your opinion on this up to this point where we're at in the story while I'm looking up DirecTV to see if I could get this correct. All right. Well, my opinion is AMC is a big bunch of babies. <laughs> no, but but I mean, it only makes sense for Universal to have done this, especially right now. And seeing how well it did, it only makes sense for them to want to... Con- and I'm sure the the heads of AMC are, are flipping out because they're already in... After this whole pandemic thing, I know there's been talk that AMC could possibly not cover from this. I understand that, too. But what I don't understand is the decision to ban all Universal films. Right. What does that accomplish? Right. I, See, I don't understand that. If I was um, if I was AMC, I'd be worried about how do I get myself out of bankruptcy and potentially shutting right. down after being in business a hundred years. Yeah. So I'm not saying, but I'm saying, sorry, point blank. And honestly, I'm sorry I say it, but Less people go to movies now than they used to, and that's in part because of ticket prices, food prices, not wanting to go to a crowded theater. A lot of people have, have real nice TVs now, so they don't, right. you know, they're fine with just watching it on their TVs. And, you know, there there could quite possibly be a future where there aren't movie theaters anymore, and I think, you know... You have to adapt to that or go bankrupt. Right. And that's what Universal's doing. They're adapting. Of course they are. Now, for for me, uh, I know when my wife and I talked about this, we're like, yeah, there's a movie. I'm, And you know what? Depending on the film, mm-hmm. okay, I'll, I'll admit, you give me Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. I had the opportunity to watch it opening night at home. I'm going to do it because I don't want to fight those crowds anymore. 
Mm-hmm. But you know what? I'm still carrying my happy little butt to the theater because I want to see it sure. on the big screen. That's one of After those movies. Dies down a little. That's one of those franchises that, yes, I've seen all the other films minus Clone Wars because I'm sorry, that was not truly a film. No. So I don't count it. But so I'll, I'll re-justify. I've seen every Star Wars live action movie. <laughs> Which is what counts every live action movie on the big screen. Right. I always forget that Clone Wars had a movie in theaters. And if I remember right, that was a last minute decision because it was going to go straight to theater. And then they decided, wait, it was going to go straight to theater. It's going to go straight. You know, it's going to go straight to TV. Then they decided, you know, let's go ahead and promo tape. Uh, first three episodes and drop it in the theater. Mm. So it got its introduction that way. I don't even remember how it did in the theater. Um, I don't think it did well. I did. But, I didn't but see I don't, it either. In the but I don't think it was theater. meant to do well. So, and mm. to me, part part of my problem with it was um, it watching the movie. It looked great. So no, I own it obviously because it's episodes of the Clone Wars. Um, right, I do too. It looks great on TV. Sure, but a lot of friends of mine who saw it in the theater, they said, "Yeah, it did not." look right for the theater because it just did not uh, it, it, it was not because it wasn't designed for the theater it wasn't designed for that aspect ratio. right so I mean what do you do mm-hmm. they, they, uh, they tried it and it is but still you know the the Clone Wars after that was a great show yeah which I still have not seen today so yet, as I have not yet either and I keep hearing people I, this I know. like oh shut up I'm, I'm, uh, don't say anything so I don't care if Kylo Ren appears in this episode shut up don't ruin it for me uh, <laughs> kidding folks you know what I just we know you know what I just show. remembered? I just remembered that they wanted to do the Inhumans a movie before it came out on on TV too. Yeah, they wanted to. Re- no, I think they did release it in theaters, didn't they? First, um, first two episodes uh, were released on theater. My, my problem with Inhumans. And I, I there's think, only one. Well, it, okay. My major problem with Inhumans, <laughs> and you probably you probably heard me talk about it on Mighty Marvel Geeks. They should have done like they did with uh, that one season of Agents of Shield, uh, season five, and they should have broken it up into two pods. Oh yeah, yeah. With, with the subplot threading through the entire run. It's try, instead of trying to make three or four subplots run the entire run of eight episodes. They should have done a four and four. I don't know. I don't know if that would have helped it. I think it was... so, because, I mean, two, two of those subplots easily could have been wrapped in four episodes. Mm. But that's not the only problem I had with theories. They were, that, that's just one of the problems. Yeah. It was not a good show, sadly. Best thing of that show was Lockjaw. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The other great thing with that show was seeing Medusa before she got shaved bald, before she was scalped. Yeah. That was done well. The special effects were not bad. Could have been better. 
with a bigger butt. But I thought Lockjaw was done extremely well. Lockjaw was good. Yeah, I, that's, like I think that's good. where a lot of the effects money was with Lockjaw, <laughs> and that's where it should have gone. <laughs> yeah. So they yeah. made that the right choice. Yeah. So so getting back to this, so now oh, you yeah. know, so Universal <laughs> is now saying, you know what, we're gonna do both. Um, and I I'm not I'm seeing it on listed on uh, DirecTV, but I'm not getting pulled up. I want to say it's called DirecTV Cinema. I think you're right, yeah. Um, and they, right now, they're doing a nine ninety nine Star Wars sale. They're doing $1.99 mm. on sale. Oh, wow. Um, I am looking at their films, uh, at their page. But, again, I don't understand what Ames thinks they're going to accomplish with this. Right. It, it just... I don't know. Uh, I, I don't see Universal caving and saying, "Oh well." You know. Right. Um, okay, so Directv Cinema. What is it? Uh, it's an on-demand pay-per-view entertainment platform from AT and T. Convenient place to buy, rent, and stream all your favorite films. You can watch on your TV from your Directv DVR or stream online from computer, tablet, phone. It's a direct app. Yada yada yada. What is showing on Directv Cinema? Um, a huge range of entertainment options. I could have sworn at one time they were doing um, movies at the same time. Yeah, I thought they were too. Um, yeah, I. Okay, so according to AT and T, how does it work? Um, they tend, I guess, they tend to get the movie as soon as it's out of the theater. It's on their site. They they tend mm. to get it before it goes anywhere else, supposedly. Mm. But still, it, it's this is one of those. It's I don't think it's going to hurt theaters' business. I don't, I, I don't I, think so either. I say that because of look at the comic industry with your analog and your digital. I said your analog and your digital <laughs> comics. <laughs> And you're getting just as much success there with the actual comic book store still coming out ahead of your digital online services. But you've got AMC moaning and complaining first. Oh, they're taking money away. Well, you know, why don't you you try to find a way to get into that? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if you are about to go bankrupt and all this other stuff did you take the government bailout money that came as part of the stimulus package that just came out part of the cares act mm. there are other businesses who did who initially were given it that turned it back mm-hmm. but i think with everyone knowing amc is super bleeding money mm. and was been bleeding money going into debt for all this i think right. people would have been okay going yeah we will throw amc a Bone because we love their theaters. They're the only theaters in town, and we don't want to lose our movie theater for any period of time. I'm glad I don't have to say it. I'm glad they're not the only ones for me, but um, I think that's the way it goes, though. Yeah. I mean, what more do we do? I mean, again, I'm not speaking for everyone. I am speaking for me. I, that's one time I would have had no problem with with a company taking the money if they're using well, it to help that, save their business. Yeah, that's what it's intended for. Not a company like Shack, Steak Shack that that's doing fine and this shutdown's not going to hurt them as much mm. type thing. I mean, everyone's hurting during this time. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, there's some corporations that are much better off than AMC. Right. So, maybe it's just me. No, I agree with you. 
So, um, and then shortly after that, Regal jumps in. Yeah. Oh, we're going to do the same thing. Okay. I have a Regal literally less than a half mile from my house, which I'm so lucky for that. I really, really am. But come on, folks. Just why did, Why do you want to do this? So now Regal's not going to get Fast and the Furious. Okay. No big whoop. I think we're all kind of tired of Fast and the Furious. Oh, somebody's watching it if they're still making them. Um, I'm watching them, but I'm not going to the theaters. I've never seen any of them in the theaters. I've only ever seen the first one. That was enough for me. I own a couple because I got them as part of a promotional thing that I was working. <laughs> they sent me an extra copy. Like, cool. I didn't pay for it. This is better. <laughs> but uh, what are the what are the other Universal films? For- yeah. Yeah. Um, Here's our upcoming films: King of Staten Island. I know what that is. You know what? I'm going to do this. Good old list of Universal Picture Films 20s, 2020. Do oh, Jurassic are- World. Yep. So that's one. Candyman. Oh yeah. That's two. Uh, no Time to Die, which is the next James Bond film. Yep. Hmm, that's gone. Crude's two. What? Animation. Right before Christmas. Oh come on. Animated. I don't understand. Forever <laughs> Purge, the next Purge film. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Uh, at this point in time, going into next year, let's see how long if it does go through next year. Going into next year, you have Boss Baby two. You got. <laughs> Fast and Furious 9, Jurassic World, Dominion, uh, Minions, mm-hmm. The Rise of Gru, Halloween Ends, Sing 2, The Addams Family 2. Uh, yeah, there there are some problems here. What does Ames expect to gain from this? That's what I don't understand. Quicker close on Chapter 11. I guess. <laughs> Your wish has been granted. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's the way it is. I I think this is all stupid on their end. Oh and yeah. This Big is kind of, okay for AMC. It's one thing because they already have issues with that stupid movie club card of theirs, and that's what's causing them to go into major debt. Oh really? That's one of them. I didn't even. I I don't even know what that is. Uh, let me read the sort of like that movie club card. Oh right, right, right. Uh, let me see if it. But there's a setup a little different. Mm. Um, let's see if I can. So movie stubs. Uh, movie stubs a list. See up to three movies every week in Dolby Cinema, IMAX, Real 3D, and more. Plus, get star status and the same perks at AMC as AMC stubs premiere starting at twenty bucks a plus tax. Mm. So three movies a week for twenty bucks a month. One movie or two movies, you're pretty much paid for the pass. Mm. So figure twelve movies in a month. There's there's money being lost there, especially if you're doing you go see one IMAX film. It pays for the pass. Yeah. So, I mean, come on. It's it's nuts. So, I mean, this this is no something like that. And and this was part of the problem with that movie card thing is they went bankrupt quick Mm. or were going bankrupt because it was what? Ten bucks a person for that one. But you're going to go do once a week Mm. or no, once a day type thing. But you couldn't do anything unless you were within 100 yards or 100 feet of the theater, this, that and the other. So you couldn't just do it at home, go to the theater and go, okay, I got my tickets. Um, so yeah, it's, it's nuts. It's crazy nuts. So now are they going to be upset with Disney because they pull, because Onward came out 
two weeks know, after right? it was released in the theater straight to Disney Plus? Are they going to be upset with Disney because they're taking Artemis Fowl, which I'll admit I was interested in seeing, um, but taking Artemis Fowl and, and going straight to Disney Plus with it? Probably. So, I mean, yeah, that, that does not that does not help personally. Yeah. And, and I think and I think Regal's just doing it just to show some solidarity mm. with AMC. So, uh, yeah, that's the way I feel about it. <laughs> this is this is not good for either company. And, nope. and, and all honesty, at first I thought, okay, this is going to be harmful to uh, to Universal as well. Now, as they're coming out and saying, hey, we're going to release it at home and we're going to make just as much money. Yeah, I would be curious to see when a blockbuster like Jurassic Park or Furious Nine comes out. Out. what are they doing mm. you know what what will they be doing guess we'll find out i guess we will so um but we do have some gaming news as well oh boy do we <laughs> oh. oh boy <laughs> so <clears throat> excuse me uh what has long been rumored has finally been confirmed uh that is uh, Ubisoft finally revealed that the next installment of their Assassin's Creed series, one of my favorite series of games, uh, is going to be called Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And it's going to be set in the age of the Vikings. Sweet. That'll be awesome. Soundtrack by Lezza. <laughs> and uh, it will be coming out on PS4, Xbox One, PC, Stadia, PS5, and the new Xbox Series X when those launch. Uh, and it's it's right now it's listed coming out in holiday holiday 2020 time but uh the rumor is that that'll be november 17th and uh basically you're uh, gonna be playing a viking and you get to do all kinds of fun viking stuff like lead reds against uh, saxon fortresses in england uh you get to dual wield powerful weapons like axes and relive the visceral fighting style of the Vikings. Uh, it says it's going to have the most varied collection of enemies ever found in Assassin's Creed, and it'll have a Dark Age open world from harsh shores of Norway to the beautiful kingdoms of England. Nice. Um, and uh, there are several pre-order options available if you want to pre-order it. There's Gold, Ultimate, and even the Ultimate Collector's Edition. So the standard edition of the game is 60 bucks, and it will come with a bonus mission called The Way of the Berserker. The gold edition is a hundred bucks, or you can get the gold steelbook edition for a hundred and ten bucks, and that includes the season pass and pre-order bonus mission. And the ultimate edition is a hundred and twenty bucks, and then you get everything from previous editions plus the ultimate pack, which includes Berserker gear pack, Berserker settlement pack, Berserker longship pack, and a set of ruin of rune. Yeah, I wonder what those are going to be for used for. 
And then finally, you can get the collector's edition at 200, which includes a replica statue of the main character, um, the ultimate edition, which includes everything from before, the steelbook, a Viking statuette of the character, the collector's case, a certificate of authenticity, a set of three lithographs, and a selected soundtrack. That's that's a good bit of stuff. But I am very excited about this game. I can't wait to play it. I don't know which version I will get yet, but we'll see. Well, speaking of oh, game, also, one other thing uh, I forgot to mention is the, I believe it's the Special Collector's Edition. The $200 Collector Edition is... Um, only available at the Ubisoft store. Okay. There you go. Well, how about this one real quick? Apparently, I, I just went over to came, uh, comicbook.com just to see if there was anything interesting that we missed. Um, and this kind of broke as we're recording. Fortnite just had mm-hmm. a secret concert featuring Diplo and Jordan Fisher. Huh. Uh, um, apparently, following last month's in-game Travis Scott concert, uh, Fortnite has thrown yet another concert featuring American DJ Diplo, um, as well as actor-singer Jordan I don't Fisher. know who that is. I don't know either. He's the lead member of the <laughs> elect- electronic dance hall music music project Major Laser. And that doesn't help. That is to me. I'm, I'm impressed I actually did that. Um, <laughs> the concert was roughly 20 minutes and utilized the game's new Party Royale mode, newly launched mode that transformed the game into a social hub and safe space by removing the battle royal elements from the game. It's a place to hang out. It looks like in-game events like concert and trailer premieres will happen in the mode rather than in standard battle royal mode. Okay. Sure. I don't know the game. Me either. Um, I have it downloaded. I just haven't played it. <laughs> uh, not my kind of game. I now I've played PUBG every now and then on, on my phone. <laughs> like okay, I haven't played that either. It, it's a survival thing. Yes. Mm. Um. So yeah, quite interesting. They have decided they're doing a secret concert unannounced. Hey, look there you go. There it is. Ooh. So cool. Ooh, isn't that nice? That's nice. <laughs> so, any final thoughts? I have one final thought, and that is, I saw a thing today that uh, the uh, Heritage Auctions is having an auction in May for a bunch of items from the Amazon Tick Show, Ooh. including costumes, various costumes and other props. Ooh. So, uh, yeah. It's probably uh, a little out of my price range, but still, it's kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, cool. I wish that show, they hadn't canceled that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I will say this week on Mighty Marvel Geeks, we have uh, Marty Langford and Mark Sykes from Doomed, the untold story of Roger Corman's Fantastic mm. Four. Some great insight. Oh, my God. Mark does not hold back. <laughs> he, he I can't wait to not. hear it. Um, and, the, and you might have heard of the these guys' names before, maybe. They were last on the show back in 2013. Wow. On this show. <laughs> July of 2013. That's before, before Mighty Marvel got started. And I believe oh, if wow. you want to listen to the show, you'll have to go to, uh, and now that I got time to get it going again, <laughs> uh, you'll be able to listen on Patreon. 
and, and get the archives for here oh, nice. and, and Mighty Marvel Geeks. Speaking of Patreon, um, it's a shout out I should have given last week, but we're so busy. Um, and we'll be shouting them out on Mighty Marvel Geeks and Wookie Radio next week. Um, we have a new Patreon participant. His name is John. That's all I know. So, hey, thank John. You, thank you, John, for your monthly donation. I'm not going to say how much it is because that's private. But it, <laughs> we will say he has, with his donation, he has the opportunity to be a guest on a show. He has chosen to be on Wookie Radio. But at the moment, it's not going to happen because um, he is a disabled Army veteran. Hoorah. Oh, wow. Wait, no. Okay, no. Hoorah is Marines. Hoorah. Yeah. There we go. Hoorah. And uh, I will say, I used to live near West Point, so... Army hockey all day long. Army football all day long. Go Army, beat Navy. And I do have an Army hockey jersey. Yes. About time. Uh, I've had it for about a year now. One of my favorites. I know that was one of my grails that I was wanting. I wanted to get an actual Army hockey jersey. Have um, so, um, conversations the two of us went by. He goes, I would want to be on Wookiee Radio, uh, but at this time, I cannot tell you when, when I could at the moment. I'm a disabled Army veteran on the men from a few post-service injuries. Um, but I really enjoy the podcast. In the meantime, I'm just showing my support how I can. And, of course, I replied back, thank you for your service. Salute. And I mean yes. that. Salute. Um, and I just said, just let us know when you're up for it. And we'll work on it there. And this this is where it hits home. Um, yeah, we're a little ego-driven because we, whether we mean to be or not, it's kind of in the nature of the business. I mean, we do, like, what are your numbers? Which I've gotten better about not truly caring what our numbers are because we've been holding steady. Um, yes, we do this for ourselves, but we also do this to put it out there for people like you guys. But I never realized just how how the show could be taken or any of the shows could be taken until this comment. Uh, and I did get John's permission to share this. Just thanks for understanding. It was my honor to serve. I come from a military police fire EMS family, so it's in my DNA. As a super late bloomer to Star Wars at 33, doesn't matter if it was last week. Nope. Welcome. Yep. You have found a geekdom. Mm-hmm. Life goes uphill from here, but your life is over the way you used to know it. <laughs> we, we come from experience. Um, this, this whole universe is just amazing. Everything about it. It is an infinite basis for more stories, I hope. And we hope, too. We really do. Especially now that the saga is over. We are hoping for more stories that are not Skywalker. Well, I'll tell you then, um, knowing that he's relatively new-ish compared to us old farts, the franchise, I definitely would like to have a conversation with him. Oh, I can't wait for him to come on to Wookiee Radio. Like I said, you know, he's at that tier where he, he's earned it. So, um, so he continues, uh, thank you for your podcast and all the information, which is much needed. And the entertainment Wookiee Radio has brought me, especially in these hard times and having a move and having a move to better health care put on hold. I have a family member who also who works mm-hmm. at Disney as well. So that's a cool coincidence. But yeah, I just mm-hmm. wanted to let you know that being a retired disabled veteran podcast like yours helps but like podcasts like yours help out vets and other people more than you know. So thanks for your service to us as well. May the force be with you always. Oh man. <laughs> I, you get I me first, all choked up. 
<laughs> First time I read that, I, I, I started to cry. I, I or not cry. I started to tear up. Mm. Then I read it to I'm my wife. To now too. And, and I started to tear up. <laughs> Reading it now, I, I as soon as I hit that, but yeah, just wanted to let you know that you're that being a retired sable vet, you know, hitting this last couple lines, I started to tear up again. And, and no, actually, I'm not tearing up. I got dirt. But no, it's tear. It's it, it's it's my eyes are watering because of the I'm not tearing up. I have tears in my eyes. <laughs> so, I mean, this, I guess this does summarize what we're trying to, we never know what the impact is of our show. Um, this is why we, we, we never know if there is an impact. Yeah. This is why we reach out and for listener feedback. We like to know where we're coming from. We, we, yeah. Yes, the show is for us in many ways. Is it's our stories to tell. It's our interests that we want to talk about. But it's for you guys as well. And if there's something you want to hear us talk about, we'll talk about it. That's why we ask a lot of times. Well, we don't, and we don't want to just be voices in your ear. We want to, we want to be friends with you. We want you to be a part of the. Exactly. Our community exactly i can't wait to have have john um be a part of a, our community in person yeah uh, and and i'm hoping if john's listening to this show too if not i know he's listening to wookie and i'm gonna put the same spiel out there on wookie john continue reaching out to us through twitter as well or even here on Definitely. patreon on our patreon page and give us topics comments that whatever that you want to hear us talk about because or questions or exactly because um, I know I was just on a show called uh, One Non Blonde with, uh, and the host name is Kim. Eventually, we'll have her here. And I think with that show, when we do that, we're probably going to have a good chunk of the show. You know, we're going to talk about her show, uh, One Non Blonde, but we may have her turn the tables on us and ask us as someone who who dabbles a little bit in geek. Uh, her daughter's a cosplayer, but have her turn the table on us as a potential new. And how can we help her get into her fandom, her geekdom more? Which I maybe it's a great idea. Maybe it's not. We'll find out that night. And obviously, <laughs> like any show, that's the initial thought that's going to happen, but it may not end up that way. Right. Um, but no, we we want y'all's input, too. It's not just our show. It's our show. And our includes you, the listeners, our citizens, as we say here. Indeed. Our smugglers, our fellow smugglers with Wookiee Radio, our field agents with Weeby Geeks, our keepers over on Keepers of the Fringe, our geeks over on Geek Watch 1, and New England Society of geeks um that's i mean yes we're, we're it, it's we're entertaining ourselves but and we know we're entertaining you but man to to hear that we're we're helpful like this as well is god this is a lot yeah really and, and that was i don't know if it was a reality check but in times like this man that felt good it feels mm. good and i cannot wait to meet john and john has mentioned too that he can't wait to come down to galaxy's edge yeah and I just mentioned to him, I said, let me know when you do, because I'd be honored to go with you, Alex, he said. Yeah. Point blank, I would. Uh, unfortunately, that'll be a while. Could be. We'll see. I mean, they're they're talking the earliest Walt Disney World potentially open would be June. Mm. With a, a phase one open so uh, right now I still won't. There's no entertainment in the plans for phase one or phase two. Mm. So uh but I still have my main gate pass, so if they do open and we're not blacked out, John, you get down here, I would be honored to go with you to Galaxy in a heart. And between you and me, Derek, I'm I will even 
buy him a Wookiee Radio hat. Cool. How's that? I'll my own. I mean, I'll do that. Um, I, might, I will buy Wookiee Radio. He's got some. Because I mean, Florida sun down here. I mean, it, it could be it could be murder. Hat's nice. <laughs> so I mean, if we're gonna do it, let's let's do it right. And I will have to double check with uh, with our friends over at Jersey. We have to see if he's got a digital, maybe a digital camo hat that we could throw the logo. So it'd be a one of one of a kind just for him. Mm. But if so, I'm I'm gonna say it right now. If you want to also help with Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash We Be Geeks Network all one word we be geeks network uh and, and join in um if, because we are now offering um or there's a one dollar option where you come in get access to the archives uh five dollars uh you get a chance to come on the show uh as we get as we do some pre-show recordings and air them or even post-show they will be added to as a patreon only and by doing that you get a chance to be a guest on the show a guest host on the show and you know what after six months you get a bitty boomer bluetooth speaker how's that for instance after the next level up is 10 bucks a month. Uh, so everything you I had just mentioned, and then after your third month, your choice of a Bitty Boomer to speaker or a hat or t-shirt, or you can let it roll over to the next level. Next level is 12 bucks a month. Everything I just said, but after your sixth month, you get two Bitty Boomer speakers, your choice of a free hoodie or jersey, or you can let it roll over to the, to the equivalent of the next level. Um, that's swag level two. Swagger level 2.5 is $24 a month. After your third month, you get a free hoodie or a jersey or two bitty boomers. Or you can let it roll to swag three, which after your third month, you get four bitty boomer speakers, a free hoodie or jersey, and your hat, your choice of a hat or t-shirt. So you'll get a hoodie or a jersey and a hat or a t-shirt. Or four bitty That's 36. See, just have to see. So... There we go. Check us out. So, um, I think that was a pretty big uh, final thought there, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, sorry I didn't uh, get all emotional on you, man. <laughs> so, well, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for help with us. Um, again, hit us up on social media, at Weeby Geeks on Twitter, at Weeby Geeks on Instagram, places we're the most active on. Um, I want to say you're the same way with... Uh, with your shows too, right? Twitter and Instagram. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're active on Facebook, but not really a lot of shows because I mean, I'll admit Facebook just isn't quite there for it. Mm. I mean, I try, but Twitter, Twitter and Instagram hit us up at the geeks. Uh, we're there. Uh, talk to us. Let us know. Um, next week we are talking Joe Alves, Jaws, Jaws franchise. Mm. So uh, get your questions, comments, whatever to us by Tuesday because we are talking him on until next time got anything else Derek yeah then I'm just gonna leave it with this last question want to know more so um the bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a science fiction club this has been a Weeby Geeks production. Some people say I look like Dan Aykroyd.